series, and we're going to go the next four weeks, Building for Life is what we're calling it. Uh, if you got in this morning and you happen to not get one of the little uh, fill-in-the-blanks deal here, just slip up your hand and Richard will come running to you. He loves this part. And this would be important for you to fill out and take home uh, because here's what I would guess in this series. Every week when we're talking about certain components of our time to build, uh, about our campaign, about the spiritual growth component, you won't be convinced on Sunday morning, many of you. That, that's, I'm positive of it. It's going to take you going before the Lord and taking your sermon notes, your devotion guide, your Bible, your prayer time. And the Lord's going to speak to you in ways in different settings than even this morning. And this will probably just get you kicking the ball rolling in your own life to start processing what God might be speaking to you about and calling you up to, to doing. So all of these materials are going to be good for you. So we're going to jump right into this. Hebrews chapter 11 is where we'll kind of be. So if you have your Bible, you want to open to Hebrews chapter 11, I'll, I'll highlight a few verses in there as we go, including our memory verse uh, for this week as well. What does it take to please God? That's a pretty good question, right? I mean, if we're thinking in our lives, I'd kind of like to be on good standing with God. I'd like God to be pleased with me. What does it take to please God? Well, if we ask that question, you might have all kinds of responses. If you want to flip on your TV and you want to watch for a week, and I say, what did you find on your TV about pleasing God? you get some crazy whacked out ideas of what it means to please God. Here's a few things. People think that uh, in order to please God, I've got to be very ritual-based. Like, if, if I would just chant the right chants and say the right things in the right order, uh, holding the right object and those type of ritualistic things, maybe I light the incense and the certain candles at the certain times of day, then I will really be able to please God. Now, is God honored in some of those things? Absolutely. But I'm not sure that's the core of pleasing God. Sometimes we think that it's rules and regulations, right? If we make our list of everything that we should do and everything we shouldn't do, and if we just follow the list correctly, then in the end God's going to be really pleased with us. Is living a holy life uh, of things we say yes to and things we say no to important? Absolutely. Some of you have lived the consequences of one of those lists. But I'm not sure it's the core of what pleases God. Some of us think it's kind of religion. Uh, if we observe certain you know, holy holidays and, and maybe religious experiences and that type of thing, we do our, make sure we do our communion and we make sure at the right time our kids go to catechism and get baptized, those type of things, then everything's good. And we can point back to that at some point in our life and say, yeah, but I was baptized when I was a baby and those type of things. And we think those religious things are, are good and that pleases God. Is it good to be baptized? We celebrated it. It's good to take communion. You better believe it. I'm not sure it's the core of what pleases God. What pleases God? Well, I find in Scripture, as I've read, and many of you Bible lovers have been reading too, that it just seems like it's very clear that God, what he really wants and what really pleases him from the very beginning when he created Adam and Eve was to have relationship with us. That when we, he has relationship with us, he is pleased with us. You know, I, I look at my kids and I want to have relationship. I don't want to just be the father. I don't want the role. I want the relationship that goes with the role. And I think God just so desires to have relationship with us. And so in the very beginning, he created Adam and Eve, right? And he created this wonderful experience to walk and talk in the garden. Adam and Eve kind of blew it for, for themselves and for really all mankind. And Yet God kept pursuing them and creating opportunities to have relationship all the way up to what we celebrated last week on Easter when Jesus died on the cross as a way to have relationship with God. And so that's what I think he's after is this relationship with us. But what does this relationship take? Well, this morning what we're focusing on is the word faith. And in order to have a relationship with God, it takes a level of faith. You see, I have a relationship with my wife. I'm closest to her than anyone on this planet. Yet even with a physical person there who lives in my house, sleeps in my bed, we have the same meals, I have to have faith to continue that relationship and for that relationship to thrive. I've got to have faith that she loves me back. Uh, I've got to have faith that when I stretch myself out and I risk something, 
that it's going to be received. How much more to God, who is not quite as physically tangible in front of us, we have to have faith in this. And so the Bible actually says to us that it's impossible to please God without having faith. Check this out, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. Without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Hey, congratulations, that's your memory verse for this week. Will you say it with me? It's on the screen. Without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anyone who is, comes to him must believe he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. That's your verse for the week to memorize. And the verse is telling us how central faith is. It's so central and so important. And you might say, hey, I've got the exist part down. I know God exists. He's there. But he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Do our lives display this? So this morning, we're going to start this new series. The series is about building for life. We're calling this building a great life or building a life of faith this morning in particular. And it comes off this verse in Jude 1.20 that you might be familiar with. It says, build your lives on the foundation of your holy faith. Build your life on your faith is what the verse is saying to us. So what is faith anyway? It, if, we, if we talk about pleasing God and faith is part of it, what really is faith? Well, we're going to look at that this morning. It's kind of like this multifaceted diamond uh, that has many sides of many components. And we're just going to process through six things that faith is. And if you know your, your Bible at all, you'll know that Hebrews chapter 11 is kind of like the, the hall of fame of, of faith, or the hall of faith, you can call it, uh, of people in, in God's Word. where he, these, these great people are highlighted, and so often as they're highlighted, the word faith is attached to them. So we're going to kind of walk through a few of these, and we're going to attach them to these six aspects. They'll go right through your sermon notes, so if you have those, you can just fill right in those blanks as you're, as you're going down. Uh, through it. So here's what it is. Uh, first of all, faith is first believing when I don't see it. It's believing when I don't see it. Faith is actually like visualizing the future in the present. Does that make sense? It's like, it's like seeing in the advance. It's looking ahead and being certain of what we don't see. Now, what do we usually say? We usually say something like, hey, I'll believe it when... Yeah, exactly. That's what we say. But God's actually saying, no, you got, it, you got it backwards. When it comes to this faith in God thing, we actually believe and claim even before we've seen because of our faith and trust in God. It's like an architect planning a, a building. You know, they, they plan and can see the building. They can see the design. They don't go and say, well, let's build it all first. And then once it's done, I'll go back and I'll design the blueprints for you. There's some vision and that they see and they start to put it to paper that we see in advance. And Warner von Braun, that's a correct name, the father of Space Age, who he built the Atlas rocket and the, and the Saturn rockets that took people to the moon. Here's what he once said. There has never been any significant achievement in human history that was not accompanied by faith. By faith. Meaning, if we're going to do anything for God, if we're going to serve any life of meaning for God, it starts with faith. It starts with faith and trusting Him, even at times when we don't see it. We, we don't see what it is He's leading us in. Windover Hills, this church, it started about 14 years ago. Did you know that? Some of you do, because you were here, right? It started 14 years ago. But before the first service was held, only 10 or so people met together to share a vision for a church that didn't exist. That, that's what they were doing. That's what they were gathering to do. Nobody had joined yet. There were no members. There might have been some donuts out, though there weren't this morning. I know. Okay, I know there was no donuts. Some of you were in panic mode this morning. But nothing was, nothing was in place yet but these 10 people. And you know what these 10 people did? They just started talking. They started praying. It was ludicrous at the time for 10 people who were talking about a church that didn't exist to be purchasing seven prime acres on Windover Avenue. It was a ludicrous thought of the day, right? 
But tomorrow afternoon at 3 o'clock, Jim Bethune and I will sit and we will sign papers to close on that property tomorrow afternoon. So that's exciting news, all right? It's pretty exciting. Yeah. Somebody believed it before they saw it. They believed God was going to do something. And, and here we are sitting in a place today where we get to bear the fruit of what someone did and those 10 people did in that time. And you know what? People beyond us one day down the road, 20 years, 10 years, another 14, whatever it is, they will bear fruit of what we are doing right here in this series and what we're talking about. They will bear fruit of your faith and you seeing something that doesn't yet exists. Faith turns dreams into reality. It's seeing before I see it. But, that's, but there's more to it than that. Faith is obeying when I don't understand it. I don't know about you, I don't really like that one. So it's obeying, even when I don't get it. God gives us all these exhibits, right, in Scripture of this. But let me just give you one. I want to highlight one this morning. And if you're so curious, just keep reading beyond the pages of the one, that, where the one comes from and and, and you'll find more in Scripture. Exhibit A here is Noah. Think about the doubts that Noah would have had when God came to him. I mean, God came and said, okay, look, I'm going to wipe out the whole world, and I'm going to start over with you. It, would that not give you a little doubts if God came to you and said, I mean, I'm, I'm grateful, Lord, that you're saving me, but you, you want me to, to restart everything? Um, I, I'll be the, I'll be the, the linchpin here. I'm, uh, okay. Um, I mean, what kind of doubts? would that create? Here's what the Bible says about in Hebrews, this chapter we're working through. It was by faith that Noah built an ark to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God who warned him about something that, catch this, that had never happened before. Do you catch what it's being said in that simple little verse there? Circle the words faith and obey there. Those are the key ones. You can draw a line between them there so your eyes just pop onto them. Faith. The Bible says, obeying when I don't understand it. So here's what's going on. It's, the Bible says that I'm going to produce a flood and you need to save your family. Now think about God coming to Noah and think about the fact that it had never rained in the Bible. That God's, God providing water uh, for the plants had happened in some other way, but it was not the rain had not come yet. And so he came and he said, okay, um, I'm going to flood the ground. Okay, great. Lord, what's a flood? Well, it's like when it rains a whole bunch and the water comes up. Okay, excellent. Now, what's rain again? This was an incredible thing here that now he's going to get Noah to buy into all of this. And Noah, I want you to build a boat here as well, big boat. And I don't want you to build it near water. You're not going to build it in the water and be ready to go. You're going to build it kind of out here in the middle of the desert. None of it made sense. But what would we find that Noah did? Despite his probably lack of understanding, he obeyed. He followed God. And he moved forward with this. It's an incredible story. Going back to the beginning of the church. You know, in uh, 2010, I was still coaching college baseball. I wasn't pastoring at the time. I was coaching college baseball in North Chicago. And God said to me, I'm sitting on a mower one day, John Deere mower, mowing. And God said, you about done with this baseball thing? That was the exact phrase that he said. I said, okay, I guess I am. <laughs> and, and I sent out some resumes uh, to some churches that as I looked at what they were doing, I thought, you know, that fits who I am. I didn't just want a church role somewhere to be on staff somewhere. I mean, if, if I had just got that, they would have hated me. I would have hated them. Um, it was show me the fit for me. Show me the right place. And so God said, uh, I want you to go to North Carolina, and specifically to Wendover Hills, and I want you to work on, like, reviving and being part of reviving. I've got this awesome core of people in place, ready to go. Their hearts are right. They're, they're, just, they're just raring. You go lead this group, and let's see what happens here. And we said, okay, that's what we'll do. And, and it was a big deal uh, for us, as I'm sure you've made decisions like that. Number one, it was a big move, Chicago to here. Um, we, I was coaching, you know, college baseball, where I thought three years previously is where I'd go and be for a long time. Secondly, um, I'd never been a senior pastor before in my life. In fact, can I just tell you how the phone call first went with our vice chair of the board, Rich Brindle? He called me and he said, so um, we're really just looking at people who have senior pastor experience. <laughs> 
Like, okay, thanks for the call. <laughs> we're, we're, we're done here. Like, did you, you, did you read the papers I, I sent you? There's, you're not going to find that on there. So I'd never been a senior pastor before. Third, um, I didn't know a single person in North Carolina. And nobody down here. Fourth, um, Duke. I mean, <laughs> managed to work on that, work on that. But God said go. To, to myself and my family, God said go. And uh, it didn't make a, a whole lot of sense at the beginning. Um, but I, I want you to understand that when this church was founded 14 years ago, it was not on some, like, grand master plan. It wasn't like, you know, all these steps were laid out and, and there was a, a great scheme in place. It really wasn't that way. This church was founded really out of simple obedience. I, I've talked to George, the founding pastor, walked through the whole thing with him. It was just obedience. The, a few people saying, yeah, I'll step out of the church that I really am comfortable and I like to be a part of something God might be doing here. And, you know, four years ago when, when God just sparked such incredible life through that core back into this church, it was really for the same exact reason, this, this obedience. And none of us knew what it would look like or if it would even go. We, we, some of us might have thought we'd still be that 35 people sitting over there in the warehouse figuring out how to pay the bills. Um, but God has done something entirely different. And that's what faith does. It, it launches us forward. And so in this book, uh, this, the Bible, in the New Testament that you're going to be reading, um, you're going to find there's 1,050 different commands. 1,050 different commands that you'll come across. He says, do this or, or that, and, and I'll bless your life. And, and every time God says to do something, you know what? It's really a test. It, it's a test of our faith. It's a test to say, hey, do you trust me? Do you trust me? If you'll just walk in, if you'll just say yes to this and follow this, this command I put before you, I'm going to bless you in ways that you, you just didn't even know you'd be blessed in that way. So here's the point. If, if you learn what to do when God tells you to do it and not thinking about what the possible results could be, if God tells you to do it and you learn to do what he tells you to do, even when it seems absurd, God will bless your life. He'll bless it. I mean, look around right now this morning. This is a pretty full uh, place. Our kids came in to see baptism. They used to sit in the chairs. Now they're sitting on the ground behind you because there was no room for them to sit in chairs this morning. God is, God is blessed. He continues to bless. That's what faith does. But there's more to it than that. Than, the third thing is faith is giving when I don't have it. Giving when I don't. That is so countercultural, Right? Giving when I don't have it. Giving and faith. You want to read the Bible and find a theme? Giving and faith go hand in hand together. It is a loud, loud theme in the word of God. Giving and faith. God uses finances to what? Well, to test our faith as well. To challenge us in our faith. To grow us in our faith. You know, ha have you ever had to decide between tithing or paying a bill? That'll be a, a faith tester right there. It's a challenge, right? And God says, look, who are you going to trust? You know, whose promises are you going to hold to and you're going to claim? Whose promises of I will take care of you will you listen to, your own or mine? It's a challenge of our faith. Hebrews 11, this, this, this hall of fame, uh, the, the first guy who gets listed in here is a guy named Abel. Do you remember the story of Abel? Old Testament. Abel gets listed, listen to this, not because of something great he did. Um, or not like grand that he did. There, there's no like huge major accomplishment in Abel's life, yet he gets listed here. He gave an offering. That's what he did. And it put him into this hall of fame in Hebrews chapter 11. Check this out. Uh, it was faith that made Abel's offering to God a better sacrifice than Cain's. Through his faith, God approved of his giving. Now circle those words, faith, offering, giving. Just connect those dots. When you look back on this, your eyes will fall onto that. And you'll learn here that the Bible here is really talking about giving in faith. And that's, what, that's why Abel is listed here as something so great. He's talking about, look, it's not about the amount. It's about the attitude. It's about the heart, the willingness to trust God and to give. 
That's what he's talking about here. Look, you need to understand this morning, there's really, there's two ways to give. Did you know that? It can be boiled down to this. There's really two ways to give. You can give by faith or you can give by fear. Uh, there's, there's really two ways. Or think about it this way. You can give by reason or you can give by revelation. What I'm talking about there. First, I can give by reason. You know what it is to give by reason? It means that I reason it out. I look at my bank account. I look at my check stubs. I look at my bills. I figure out what I've got, and I figure out what I can afford. That's giving by reason, right? I've got, I got $8.75. We don't have anything going on with that. I think I'll give that over here. That's giving by reason. Listen, it takes no faith to give by reason. Now, don't get offended by that. That's just the, the reality. Uh, many of us, we give because of reason. God has blessed us with something out, uh, extra. We don't have a need for that extra, so we give. It's okay to give by reason. But some of us, we stop at giving by reason. It doesn't require faith. Do you know, even an atheist can give by reason, right? But the other way to give is to give by revelation. Revelation is this. It's when you pray to God. It's when you pray and you say, God, what do you want me to give? What do you want me to give? Do you hear what I'm saying? I'm not saying it's that you, you try to go some grand faith person here and say, I'm going to give a million dollars. I'm just going to trust God for it. That's not what we're talking about here. You go before God and you pray. God, what do you want me to give? How do you want to stretch me? What, what, God, what is it beyond my own understanding that you would like to do with my finances and in what way? It's giving totally by faith. That's the kind of giving that really, that really grows and impacts our faith, and God blesses it in powerful, powerful ways. Now, some people want to say, look, God, you give me, and then I'll give. When God blesses me with a full-time job, and when God gives us a better-paying job, or, you know, when God, like, you know, gives my spouse a job, too, so we got two incomes coming in, then we'll give. And you know what we understand? It'll never happen. It'll never happen. Because it's not about whether we have more. It's about where we've put God in priority in our life when it comes to the issue of giving. That's faith. That's what? It's like, you know, if God, you, you bring me a windfall, and when it arrives, I'll give a little back to you. And God's like, that's gratitude. And I hope you have gratitude. It's really nice when my kids say thank you. But that's not faith. That's gratitude. It's part of it all, but it's not exactly what we're talking about. It's not what God is, is speaking about when he talks about giving by revelation. Check this verse in 2 Corinthians out, and I encourage you, read the story on your own as well to get the whole context. 2 Corinthians 8.3, it says, Because of their great joy, they gave even more than they could afford. That's a pretty, pretty powerful verse. Even more. And I love the way it words it because if you come to me today and you say there's this huge need and it's just so clear, man, God is in that. I can very, very easily in knee-jerk response say, well, that's, you know, I'll pray for that because we really can't afford it. And so often in our lives when we've pushed back that line of reasoning and we said, let me pray on that and the amount God puts on my prayer, that I'll give. I'll give that. That's giving by revelation, and God blesses in incredible ways. I was at this little college presentation a few weeks back, and this business exec, this guy who was an alumni and become very, very successful here in Greensboro, uh, he said this. He's a Christian. He says, you tell your people, it's a bunch of pastors in the room, he said, you tell your people that the best time to give is when their businesses are in the dumps, because that's when, that's when they need God the most. That's when they're in trouble. Anyone, this is what he said, anyone can give out of your excess overflowing funds. Anybody can give when, they're, when it's sitting in front of them. Anybody can obey when they've already seen the results. That's the part that hit me the hardest there. It's so true. When we give out a revelation, we're saying, hey, God, I'm going to bring this to you, and you tell me what to do here. You tell me what to do, and I'll follow it. Listen to what 2 Corinthians 9 says. Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly, but whoever sows generously will reap generously. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. God says, look, you, you, you can't outgive me. 
Now, I will provide if you'll follow what I'm calling you to. So faith is giving when I don't have it, but it's even more than that. Uh, Four, faith is persisting when I don't feel like it. Persisting when I don't feel like it means you keep going. You keep going. That is so countercultural. Why? Because our culture says do everything based on your feeling, right? If, if, if it feels right, go ahead and do it. That phrase is dying out a bit, but the philosophy is certainly still there. You've got to do what's right for you, right? I mean, that's what we say, and we often live by that. Problem is, sometimes the result can be we end up getting manipulated by our moods. And mature Christian people, they understand that we are guided by our commitments. We're guided by our commitments. When we say, hey, I'm going to do that, Lord, then we hold to that. Now, that doesn't mean that emotion doesn't come with it. Passion doesn't come with it as well. That when we, when we give or when we serve, that there isn't joy. And all that comes with it. But we keep doing it at a commitment. It means when we're a little bit tired, then we push on. And we, we do what God has called us to do. You know, yesterday after our yard sale, we had lined up to go over to uh, uh, the place Lisa Paul works and, and to, to do a, a yard and uh, they were going to support us for Guatemala. And I, can I just tell you, at least, I, mean, I was just so whooped after the yard sale that, I mean, I had the phone in my hand to call and say, hey, can we rebook? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'd already driven by to see the house, and I'm like, I think it can, it can handle a week. So, yeah. But I'm telling you, the only thing that rang in my head was, now we told her we would be there. We told her we'd be there. I did push it back to 3 o'clock, though, so sorry for that. But, but it was commitment was driving it was driving it. And, uh, you know, somebody asked me uh, right after the, the sermon on March 1st about this, this whole building campaign, you said that during the Building to Life campaign, we'd expect to be hassled by Satan. Do you remember that line? And they said, well, what do we do when we're hassled? Well, the, the answer is really quite simple. You keep persisting. You keep persisting. You stay at what God has called you to do. If he's called you to do it, he usually does not turn around right away and call us off it. He wants you to carry it all the way through. Can I tell you that sometimes I don't always feel like being nice to people. Is that, is that okay to confess to you? I know you're probably not like that. Um, sometimes I, I want to be selfish, and I want to be grumpy, and I want to be grouchy, and I want to be left alone. So sometimes that's just... Yeah, somebody this morning came up to me before church and said, can I have you for 10 seconds? And I said, yeah. And they said, um, what's wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not joking. That's exactly what they said. <laughs> said um, and then they, they worded it very nicely. They said, you know, you look to be stressed and stuff. But, um, and, I, and they said, how can I pray, pray for you? And I said, you know, I think you're doing it by being willing to say that. Uh, to me. Sometimes I want to be that way too. Are you like that? Is it just me? Yeah? None of you. Okay. All right. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, sometimes I don't feel like serving my wife or thinking about her needs. Sometimes I don't want to take the time with my kids to do what they need to do, homework or play in the yard or, or, or whatever else, uh, those type of things. Sometimes, I don't know, this may smack you as a pastor, sometimes I don't feel like going away and reading my Bible. Um, those things happen. So I've learned, though, as a believer in Christ and in, in, in maturing in my faith that those are usually the times I need it the most, when I don't want to serve my wife, I usually need to turn around and really like serve her to the hilt, um, or the kids as well. And when I don't want to be in God's word, you know, I better carve out that time. Because, you know, if I go off just when I want to do it or when I feel like doing it, the devil will work overtime to make me never want to and never feel like it. So I'll never do it. Faith is persisting when I don't feel like it. I don't feel like getting the kids together and getting up to church. God has a blessing waiting for you. Now, I, I don't feel like really battling the financial side to keep up with our tithes and our offering. And God is a blessing for you. I don't feel like serving this week. I'm tired. I don't want to be with the kids. They drain me down the hall. You know what? There's a, there's a teacher in every room down there serving. There's two teachers in every room serving. Just persist. Faith is being persistent. It refuses to give up. It's doing the right thing even when you're tired. Now, I'm not talking about not finding your breaks. And can I just tell you, and it wasn't in my notes, but I just feel like I need to tell you, if that's you and you're just drained, first thing to look at, take your Sabbath. If you're not taking your Sabbath right now, if you're not resting during your day, then you are killing yourself right now. And you really 
you really have no right to turn to God and say, God, I'm so tired, I need to step away. Because God said, I designed rest for you. Take it, please, take it, take it. All right, that wasn't in the notes, so let's move on. Um, How do you develop persistence? I I love this verse, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 27. It was by faith that Moses left Egypt and was not afraid of the king's anger. He's talking about Pharaoh here. He held to his purpose. Check out, this is a great phrase. He, He held to his purpose like a man who could see the invisible. Could see the invisible. That's incredible. He says, the story of Moses, he leads an entire nation out of slavery, 400 years into the wilderness, right? the, The people grump against God, so they just wander the wilderness for 40 years. How in the world is Moses gonna stay sane in all of this with these people? Well, he was persistent the whole time. He was persistent. In the last phrase, he held to his purpose like a man who could see the invisible. Folks, we have a purpose in front of us as we're talking about this time to build campaign. Now, our purpose is to complete a building on that property at Wendover Hills for not us, but for years and generations and decades and hundreds of years that there can be a church established there reaching a growing neighborhood in that area. And we're going to hold to our purpose when we look ahead like somebody who sees the invisible. We see what God is already going to do. We see the salvations that are going to come. We see the houses that are going to go in and the families that we can reach. We can see it already, and so we will hold to our purpose, and we will move forward in that. Fifth, faith is thanking God before we receive it. Ever do that? Thank God before you receive it. It's faith. Think about how they tie together here. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 30. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after the people had marched around them for seven days. Do you know that story? Yeah? Do you remember? I mean, they're marching around, first silent, and then, then they're praising God and praying to God and thanking God as they're walking around. And eventually, you know the story, the walls fell down and they conquered the city. I mean, Jericho was the most fortified city in the world at the time. But this was the place God said, you go here, this is your promised land, this is what I have for you. And by faith, they already were thanking God in their praise of God as they were walking around before it even fell. So what the Bible says is faith. It's faith is believing God can do anything for us. But it's seeing God and it's going ahead and thanking God in advance that he's doing it. That's that's what we're talking about this morning. Listen to what Mark eleven twenty four says. When you pray and ask for something, believe that you have received it, past tense, right? And you will be given what you ask for, present tense, there. Now, I know some of you, like, right away you went into manipulation mode in your head and thought, oh, well, that's pretty good. I'm going to start praying for lotteries and things like that. And I would encourage you to stay consistent with Scripture uh, in that. But in that, God says, look, Pray for it. Pray for it and believe on God. Believe in advance and thank him in advance for what he is going to do. Now, this goes hand in hand with number six here. And this is that faith is trusting if I don't get it. Some people try to make God like he's kind of like a vending machine. You still use those sometimes? Like, you, you know, you just go and if you throw in your money and you just click the right button, God's going to just spit out the response that you want and give you the thing that uh, was whatever, B4 or whatever it was that you were wanting, right? But God's not a vending machine. He doesn't work that way. In fact, uh, vending machines, you know, sometimes just give us something that's not good for us altogether, right? Um, and God is definitely not that kind of God. If God were a vending machine, when we prayed, it's like automatically everything would just come our way. It'd, be, it'd just be given to us. And we would think that that would make life a whole lot easier. But I shared with you a time, and I want to reiterate, a church that was, was looking to build in Phoenix, where we were at, and we were considering building a building ourselves that time. And they located property, and they were able to buy property themselves, which in Phoenix was a, a good feat for this church. And the church was smaller even than we are. And somebody came along and they donated $1.2 million to that church. Wasn't even involved in the church. It wasn't even connected with the church. And they gave $1.2 million. Made the papers. It was a big, big deal, right? Celebrated. 
The church was built, beautiful facility. We, we actually used it for some of our after-school programming for a little while. Great facility right up the road. I mean, you'd almost hit a golf ball uh, to it. That close. Well, guess what happened in five years at that church? That church sold to a new group of people who moved in, and that church pretty much closed its doors entirely. Why? No buy-in there. No, there was no buy-in. They... They, what they were doing there is, is they were just, they were hoping in their, in their pursuit that somebody would come along and just give the money, and somebody did give the money, and they were thinking, well, this will now, this will be so good and will fix everything. But what they found is they must have had a group of people who they weren't willing to push, persist, and have faith, and to do it, and to sacrifice on their own to make it happen. And we fall into this thought sometimes that if God will just give, if it'll just dump something in our lap, then it'll be, it'll be phenomenal and everything will be good for us. But sometimes God says, no, it's not good for you right now. You need to not have that right now. Or, you know, I want to give this to you so bad, but I need, to see you, I need to see you work on this end before I'm willing to entrust you with that blessing. God has many different responses that he gives sometimes. But the thought that if he would just give it, It'll all be good. Just doesn't always pan out in our lives. So the Bible says, is saying here that faith is, is trusting him even when we don't get it. Take a look at Hebrews 11, 39 and 40. These were all, they were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. God had planned something better. A great little verse there where it says, look, uh, they didn't get exactly what they promised, but God had something even better in front of them. And as a church, I mean, that's what I so believe this morning, that God has something as we're planning and we're designing and we're strategizing, that God has something even greater for Wendover Hills. We were brainstorming one time at a staff meeting, which actually that was before we had too many staff, so it was probably like Leslie and I sitting at Chick-fil-A, and as we were processing, I, w I remember thinking about like all the things, like if we brought everybody's ideas to the table for a, a new church building, what, like what would we hear? What would be the kind of things we hear? You know, like colors of the walls and kind of carpet and, and uh, exactly how the buildings turned on the property or, and what toys were in the nursery. And, and, and the thing is, like it's impossible to think of what every single person <laughs> might bring to the table on those type of things. This is what I believe. God is going before us, and he is designing something even greater than what we can sit here and try to comprehend on our own. But the fruition of that only comes, it only comes when we're willing to, by faith, surrender ourselves entirely to what God wants to do. I want to finish this time, and I want to ask our, uh, our ushers in the back if they would pass out this this small brochure that we put together so that you have all the info uh, on the building. This coming around, it, it actually will tell you uh, financial info. There, there's really a, a roadmap towards uh, a spiritual growth that's very important for us during this time. But I want to make sure you see this so that, that we, can, uh, we can talk through it over the coming weeks. And then I want to share with you as your pastor as we're finishing off uh, exactly what we're talking about. I'm going to give you just a moment to grab that as I grab mine. Looks just like this. Uh, it's a nice little blue thing printed that says, Time to Build on Front Wendover Hills Church. And if you, if you open it up, the first things that you'll see in here is on the left-hand side, our theme that we want to say over and over, and it's equal sacrifice, not equal gifts. Meaning we're all in different places, and so we all might be able to give in, in, on the financial side, is what we're talking for the next four weeks, differently, different amounts. But equal sacrifice is what we're calling ourselves up to. And so I'll let you read some of that on your own, including the give by reason and revelation that we talked about earlier. You'll see on the page on the right, the four purposes of the time to build. Our four purposes are the same as they were March 1st, to help people grow ma spiritually mature, to raise the funds for our permanent 
home, to build fellowship and unity in our church family, and to celebrate together. And that's what we're going to do May 2nd at our banquet. If you flip it open all the way, you'll see on the center page is our time to build goals. And this is where our dollar amounts start coming in. This is for you to take and right now start praying over. What does God want you to do like we talked about earlier today? You'll see our begin to build goal in there is $50,000. That's $50,000 that we'd like to have in cash on hand to pay for the things that need to happen before dirt is moved. To pay for the architect to start designing and blueprinting, to pay for building permits and those type of things. Some of that stuff will still happen after dirt is moved, but we feel like $50,000 is, is a good number to get us started so that we can get to the point where, where you'll see bulldozers out there and all that starts, uh, begins happening. And so we're going to be, over this course uh, of our time to build, talking about that on May 2nd and 3rd, we're looking to give a one-time gift that, that weekend, a one-time gift that we'll give. And I don't know how the Lord will provide that for you. I don't know how he'll provide it for me in the next four weeks, but I know God has called us to an amount and God will call you to something as well. Some of you have, you have boats to sell and motorcycles to sell and you know, that just sit around or land that you're not using. God, God can speak in so many different ways um, that I trust that if you'll go before him in prayer, God will speak to you the way uh, he wants to speak to you. The complete the building is 250000 that we're looking in pledges over the next three years, monthly pledges over the next three years that we would raise in our church $250,000. This $250,000, as it comes in monthly, we can apply that cash straight to the building process, which means we're borrowing less money with every dollar we use and that goes directly to it. So we wouldn't be borrowing the whole amount and then paying with the money that's coming in uh, until we've completed the project. It would be as the money's coming in, we're paying and we're offsetting what we have to borrow. And we're getting that borrowed dollar down. And of course, we're eliminating what dollars we don't borrow means we're eliminating interest. We don't have to pay back. Occupy the building is, is $20,000. And that is basically when we get in the building, we'll do a, a one-time offering again where we, like, put a cinch on anything that didn't quite get accomplished, anything that we need cash on hand to, to finish, furnishing things out and finishing uh, things, you know, toys for the nursery, whatever. That, all that would fall under that offering is what we're talking about there. You'll see on the right-hand side, and I'll let you process this on your own this week, my giving potential, and you can just see what it would be like to give an amount weekly, monthly, and what it would translate into. And I looked all the way down at the bottom here, and I thought, even our teens... Our teens can probably save $7 a week and give $7 a week, saving back on, you know, little fast foods or things like that. Even our teens can do that. And look at the amount that our teens would be giving over three years. If a teen says, look, I gave $1,000 to the, that blows my mind to think of, uh, of my, my son being able to, to say that. And so you can see as it builds up from there what it would be like the weekly, monthly, and three-year total. Really important that the red letters at the bottom of that same page. It says, over and above giving. It's so important in our capital campaign that you're processing this in terms of our time to build giving needs to be in addition to our regular giving or our ministries suffer. Our ministries suffer here, and we don't want to do that. Calling our regular tithes and offering, and this is above and beyond. I'm going to finish off this time and just share uh, personally for the next couple minutes, and then, and then we'll be done. And that is, as I look around, I woke up at 3.30 this morning, and I want to tell you the thing that haunted me the most. It wasn't standing up and starting to do a big money push with our church, because I just recognize we got to do that in this season. It's not our, our regular personality, but that's what we got to do right now. That's just who we are and what God is calling us to and what we have to raise up to. It wasn't that that, that frightened me. Uh, it wasn't even like working through the sermon, and I always get a little nervous preaching the sermon no matter how well I know it. Um, it wasn't any of that. But at 3.30 when I was laying, um, the thought was, at the end of all this, some of you won't be with us. That's just a reality. For, for some of you, when I, I look at I think some of you, 
you'll be overcome by, man, they're just talking money, 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 and you know, I'm, I'm out. For some of you, the word, the phrase sacrifice, talking sacrifice over and over, uh, and that being a theme, will be too much, and you'll move on. For some of you, you'll make a commitment up front, but as the months go, you'll fall off your commitment, and embarrassment will, will come. And no matter what amount of saying, it's okay, hang in there, it, you, you'll slide, you'll slide on. For some of you, you as you look at where we're building, it, you'll think, well, that's not quite what I was wanting built. And you, you'll slide on. And I want to tell you this morning, um, at 3.30 when I was processing this and the reality uh, of this, I, I, it really, it, I was, it grieved my heart. Because I know you. And we're, we have a relationship and it's personal, our relationship. And I love your ministry heart. I love that the same core of 30 a few years ago has spilled over in your attitude and how you do things with another 140 that joined us. Um, and it would grieve me for no, one, for no one to make it, for everyone to, to be with us or for not to be with us. It, it would grieve my heart. But I was processing that, what it would be like. Because during this season, God is going to call us and push us in a way he hasn't called us and pushed us. And there'll be a level to raise up to. And, you know, recently we've been raising money for Guatemala. And I'm telling you, it is such a worthwhile thing to raise money for Guatemala and, and what we're doing and what's happening. And I'm excited to go. My first trip down there. But can I, can I be honest with you? I feel so, so much stronger about what God wants to do with a building location uh, down there for the next decades and decades and decades. Far beyond you. You will all be dead and gone. And God will still be doing ministry out of that church. And to me, that just, that so moves my heart down there. Um, and that team will, they'll be sending teams to Guatemala long before, long after us, you know, when we're dead and gone. And they're still doing, it would grieve my heart for none of you, for any of you, I should say, to not be a part of that. And so I want to I give you a heads up now. You're going to get hassled by Satan. He's going to push on you hard in the next four weeks for sure because we're going to talk a lot about the financial side. And the next three years after that when it comes where we're actually giving and we're sacrificing. And then when we get out there and we're actually building and working. And in the last few weeks when we're so ready to get out of these seats because we see construction, all that stuff will weigh on us. And I want to say, that's the reason the spiritual growth component of these next four weeks is the number one priority to what we're doing. Stay plugged into it. I want to tell you the final thing um, this morning is that uh, as Shri and I have been praying and processing on our own, I want to tell you, uh, I came up with, with what we were going to do. Um, I looked at a couple things we were doing, and I said, you know, hey, if we could cut those out, then we probably could give about 200 a month for the next three years. And I was walking the dog one day, right? And this is, this is exactly what God said. He said, Tom, so you're going to stand up in front of your church and say you're going to cut out a couple things? And you're going to get, you, that's, that's kind of the leadership level you want to you wanna go for on that? Um, and God just said, how many people do you think are going to raise up in faith to extend and stretch and give by revelation based on that kind of testimony? And, man, I was so convicted. Um, and we, I, we started kind of praying. Shree's been praying, and, and I, I was praying. And I was praying more, Lord, give me an amount. Uh, what do you want me to give? Um, and so this morning, it was early. What was it, like 5.30, 6 o'clock this morning? As we were really solidifying, God, what, what is it? Um, we just felt impressed that God was calling me as a pastor to tell you that our commitment over the next three years is to give $20,000 to this project. Um, I have no idea how we're going to do that, folks. <laughs> I don't. But I can tell you this. There's precedent. God has shown us precedent in our lives that he will supply in these areas. And God has also shown us there are ways where we can sacrifice in, what, in how we use our money currently. And so that's the direction we're, we're praying on for our, for what we're giving. And as I looked at that, and I'm a stats guy anyway, I looked and I thought, you know, that's, 
that could be about six and a half percent of what we need to get in. And I'm just like you, folks. Um, I, I look at our bills, and it's just like you. I think, well, we're going to have to figure out here and here. And when I go through the grocery store, I say, well, huh, I wonder how much it is at Aldi. Uh, I'm, I'm the same way that you are um, in that. But I felt so strongly God was saying to you, Tom, you better, you better get on your knees, and you better allow me to give you an amount that is going to stretch your faith big time. Because if you're going to stand before your people and you're going to drive them in their faith, you better leave the charge in faith in that. And that's, that's, that's not a martyr number. I'm not, I don't say that um, to you. Um, I say that because that's, that's what God called. That's what God said in the prayer time. And this morning, uh, when I actually, like when we actually verbalized it, it sounded like about a million dollars. So, and I thought, this is ridiculous. Um, but that's called us. I believe so strongly that there's some of you, you're waiting. You're just at the edge of waiting, of just busting loose to trust God and to let him bless in an incredible, powerful way. And again, it's not equal gift, it's equal sacrifice. So the same story that I just shared about my experience and what God was speaking to me, you go do that. Your amount might be different. It might be smaller, it might be much greater. I don't know. But if God calls you to it and he says it, that's the time to say yes and raise up to it. Hey, that's all I uh, need to say this morning to you, and I probably told you more, uh, you know, but that's how it goes. I've got the mic. Oh. But um, I want to uh, go ahead and invite our ushers to come and take this morning's uh, tithes and offerings, and, and uh, our ushers, or excuse me, our, our praise team is going to come up. Can I just commit this um, as they're coming to, to prayer? As this is such... It's such a huge, huge step for us as a, as a, as a body of believers here. Let's pray. Father, um, I want to pray foremost that we would raise up to every single person that calls this church home. We would raise up to the exact thing you're calling us to and nothing less. In fact, Lord, I just believe that we're dreaming something so big that you have to be in it or it'll fail. And so, Lord, use your people, use your people's faith to accomplish your purposes. Lord, I know that there's some this morning that are probably really struggling with the whole concept of all of this. Even though as a church we almost 100% said, yeah, we're on board, let's move forward. We recognize, Lord, that uh, uh, the financial side, it, 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 it'll kick us. And so, Lord, let's put our trust in you. Speak to us, Lord, Lord. That's your part. That's what we need from you. We need to hear from you so there's no question marks. And then raise us up. And for every person, Lord, that will say like I'm saying, I have no idea, Lord, how you'll do that. Would you, would you provide for every single person who by faith says I'll walk forward? You provide, Lord. Like you're doing for this whole team to Guatemala, provide the same thing our permanent building home, we thank you. And we give you praise for everything you're going to do. Your son's name. Amen. All right, we'll invite our ushers to come. If you filled out a card, anything you want to communicate, drop that in the uh, offering buckets as well. Um, on your way out, the youth will be at the doors, and they'll be handing out our uh, family devotion. One per family. Uh, take that and start working right through it uh, this week. So, all right, Lord bless. Why don't you stand up?